welcome back to my love letter time machine. Hi, I'm Ingrid Bashel Hughes, and I'm serialising the love letters of my great-great-grandparents Fred Shepherd and Janie Warburton. Travel 140 years back in time with me now, where we take a look at Victorian history through their eyes, and today Fred's laundry keeps going missing, and we have a little look at Janie's continually sending parcels up to Middlesbrough. I must apologise for the lack of contextual history in this episode. I got shingles about three weeks ago, and while past Ingrid has been very efficient and had several episodes done in advance, which I could publish during the worst of the illness, I'm now having to do podcasts hand-to-mouth, and I'm not quite fully recovered. I did do a fascinating bit of research all about the adoption of the telephone in Victorian Britain, as Fred had mentioned the need to use one to call Mr Cooper back from London because of an accident in the steelworks. However, due to my viral brain fog state, it turns out I mixed up the dates of Fred and Janie's letters and wrote 80% of the episode before I realised. So I had to start all over again for this week's episode. Thank you for being understanding. So the letters this time, i.e. the correct letters this time, are full of Janie's steady progress in sending up household items for their future married life. There is a hint of Fred's bachelor party being organised, but first Fred is rather frustrated with how his clothes keep going missing in the laundry. Albert Terrace, Linthorpe Road, Middlesbrough, September the 24th, 1882. My own darling wife. I received your very welcome letter this morning, for which I thank you. We shall, as you say, love, want a good size cake. I thank you very much for getting the shirts, love. I shall want them, as I don't think there will be one here clean enough for me to come home in. Last Sunday, I had to put on an old collar and a dirty pair of cuffs. I did not say anything about it, thinking they might be at the laundry. This morning, two collars turned up out of six and no cuffs and the last new shirt I had washed and intended coming home in it, and now it is almost too dirty to put on. I shall be glad when we are married, love, for you know I am rather particular about my linen. I have not heard anything about the chamber's service yet, love. It would take it two days to come from Sheffield by luggage train. If you did not purposely arrange with them to pay the carriage, I don't think that they will pay it, love, but I will let you know when it comes. I will not unpack it as you suggest. I think it would be best, love for you to buy my mother the dress, for I have given her money before for a similar purpose, which purpose it has never been put to. I thought you would have to split up the dinner service, love, for it certainly was very heavy. I shall be glad to receive them, and will contrive to stow them away somewhere. You do not say whether you have decided to invite Fred Senior and Tom Wortley, love. I don't think I should invite Blessman, love. He fidgets. Besides, John Mies will be able to look after Ginny. I am quite agreeable to old Charlie fiddling, love. I should like to have another dance with you. I wish I could have gone for a walk with you last night, love. I intended to go down to Redcar to play football yesterday, but we were working until 2.30 and the train left at 2.35 and I had no dinner, so I did not go. I received a letter from O'Donnell yesterday. He says he shall try to see me slung off, as he calls it, and hopes the fair wind which seems to be blowing on us now will blow us a happy married life with a few scholars in between. 
He also wants to know whether I could go down to his house the evening before our marriage for a few hours, and he will invite a few of my old friends to meet me. Do you think it could be managed, love? I think if I went on the Tuesday night, it would be best, as I shall want to be at your house Wednesday night, or I shall never be in time next day, and then there will be a missing bridegroom and a sorrowing bride. Mrs O'Donnell hopes we shall go down there before we come back. I don't think we could do that. Have you called on her, love, since we were there? I intended giving you a good long one, but I am going to Mr Marston's to dinner, and it is now twelve o'clock, so you must please excuse me this once, love. We shall soon be able to do without letters, my darling. A fortnight next Tuesday, and then I shall see you and kiss you. I was troubled again last night, love, I am sorry to say. I think it must have been with thinking about you being with me before I went to sleep. We shall be able to remedy that, shan't we? I wonder whether we shall be transported on the Wednesday night, darling, or whether we shall save it until the Thursday night. Excuse me mentioning such a thing, wifey. I have received your list, love. I think it is all right. Please do not forget about my portmanteau, love, or I shall have nothing to put my things in. You might send it with something in and post the key in a letter to me. I love you more than ever. Remain, my darling wife, your loving true and faithful husband, Fred. Cemetery Road, Sheffield, September the 26th, 1882. My own darling husband, I know how disappointed you would feel at not receiving a letter this morning. I was so sorry I could not answer yours I received, love, but I really could not make time before I went to Darnell. It was three before I started to go there, and then Louisa and I had to go to Sheffield to change the hat and get your mother's dress. We got such a nice one. It is the kind she has craved for a very long time, a grey alpaca one. We thought we had better get a cup of tea to keep the headache off, so we went to Watson's. It was after seven when we got back to Darnell. I had only time to scribble a note to Polly to tell her about meeting me today to settle about the cake. It is to be £20 in weight, with the ornaments and everything. You know, love, I never disappoint you if I can help, so you must forgive me this once. I am writing this in the front room of our Polly's. I wish you were here, love. I shall be pleased to see you, my darling. It seems months since you were here. Have you found out where your shirts and collars and cuffs have got to, love? I am sorry you were in such a predicament last Saturday. I will see that you have nice linen when we are married, my darling. I have sent you one of the shirts to come home in, packed in the portmanteau, and the other two you can take when you come, love. Of course, you will want to put the white one on, so it will be ready for you, love. I hope you have got the chamber service by now. I have sent the boxes and your portmanteau today, love. I think you will receive them about Thursday. I have paid the carriage. They were three and six. I think that is very reasonable, don't you, love? I have not decided about inviting Tom Wortley and Fred Senior yet. We will have another dance before we settle down into married life. I should just like another turnaround with you, my darling. Your mother said that the Attercliffe Football Club players are going to play red car next Saturday. You must be careful and not get hurt, love, if you play with them. I think it would be best to go to O'Donnell's on the Tuesday. I shall want you at our house on the Wednesday. It would be awkward, love, if the bridegroom did not appear in time. I have not called to see Mrs O'Donnell yet. I was thinking of calling this week. We shall be able to do without letters very soon now, love. I am sorry you were troubled again, love. We shall soon be able to remedy that now. I can't say, love, whether we shall be transported on Wednesday or save it until Thursday. I will tell you better when you are here. 
I enclose the portmanteau key, love. I love you more than ever, my darling husband, and remain your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. The day after this letter in the Sheffield Daily Telegraph, featuring a local Hansworth character having been arrested during a pub crawl on the Hansworth Road, where the gentleman in question attempted to visit the new crown, the cross keys and the old crown in turn, all of which are very close to each other on the Hansworth Road. I wonder if Janie was a witness, albeit briefly. I include it here for a bit of village colour and to flesh out the environment that Janie would have had to cope with all the time. Incidents like this must have been common pitfalls for pub landlords. By the way, where we would say pub nowadays, the article says house instead. West Riding Court, before F.T. Mappin, Esquire, MP, and W.G. Blake, Esquire. Drunk or sober, John Spencer Collier Catcliffe was charged with being drunk on licensed premises and John Hatter, landlord of the new Crown Hansworth, was summoned for permitting drunkenness. Mr Fairburn appeared for the defence. Police Constable Mitchell said that at about 8.45pm Saturday, he, in company with Police Sergeant Watson, was standing near the house kept by the defendant Hatter. Spencer came out, apparently in a drunken state, and soon after re-entered the house. After about a quarter of an hour, witness and the sergeant went into the new crown, and in the tap room he saw Spencer had a glass beer nearly full in his hand and was in the act of drinking. Sergeant Watson called in the landlord and drew his attention to Spencer's condition. Hatter said, well, what he has had to drink he has had privately in the club room. Spencer said yes, for I have not had another glass of beer in Hansworth. Witness and the sergeant left the house and about ten minutes afterwards Spencer came out. He went staggering up the street and at the cross keys he called in for a glass of beer. Being refused an order to go about his business, he went further on to the old crown. He stood in the passage there and called for some beer. The landlord said no, you can have soda water. This arrangement he repudiated with considerable indignation and made use of expression respecting the soda which savoured not of enthusiasm. The officer went on to say that last Saturday night he was at the door of the new crown and saw the defendant Hatter who said to him, I would rather give two pounds to have it out at the sergeant instead of paying it in the court. He also used bad language. In answer, Mr Fairburn, witness said that the club room of the Association of Foresters was held at Hatter's house. Sergeant Watson and the other two witnesses spoke corroboration. Mr Fairburn, for the defence, maintained that the officers were mistaken, supposing Spencer to be drunk, and called witnesses with a view to showing that the defendant had on the night in question attended the meeting of foresters, that he appeared perfectly sober and took an intelligent part in a discussion which was going on. Having been called to this effect, Mr Mappin said, The evidence is very conflicting. We have carefully considered it and hardly think that it was a case that should have been brought here. I have no doubt that the man had had plenty to drink, but that he was intoxicated, the evidence does not satisfy us. The case must be dismissed. The case against the landlord also falls to the ground. The weariness of the judge comes across all these years, doesn't it? It was the Licensing Act of 
1872 that created the offence of being drunk in public, which includes being in a pub, by the way. And while it might be hard to believe, this law remains in force in the UK to this day. The line in the article, which absolutely cracked me up and must be the wordiest euphemism for bad language that I have ever come across, was this. This arrangement he repudiated with considerable indignation and made use of expression respecting the soda, which savoured not of enthusiasm. I love that so much. (laughs) That must be to do with saying F off, surely. (laughs) Anyway, back to Fred. Royal Exchange, Middlesbrough, the North Eastern Steel Company Limited, September the 27th, 1882. My own darling wife, I received your very welcome letter this morning, for which I thank you. You are quite right, my love. I was very disappointed yesterday morning on not receiving one from you, but I remembered you would have had to go to Sheffield on Monday and expected you'd be too busy to write. I am pleased, love, that you have got a dress suitable and one that pleases mother. She will, I suppose, be there now, then. It will be a tremendous cake, love, won't it? Shall you adopt Marston's plan of keeping some to eat on anniversary days, love? I think it is a nice idea, don't you? If you do this, will you have to arrange the cutting accordingly, so as to have some left? One pair of cuffs has turned up, love, but no collars. The cuffs my landlady, Mrs Snaith, found in her own room. Rather suggestive, that, isn't it? I was very much put out last night to notice that your letters had been taken from my coat pocket and, I suppose, read. I feel sure they had been taken out as they were doubled differently to how I doubled them. It is very annoying to think that you cannot trust the people round you, especially to me, because I am inclined to be rather careless in that way. I shall take care that they don't read any more of my letters, love. I wish this next fortnight would go, love, and then I should have some comfort with you, little wifey. I know, my darling, you never disappoint me if you can help it, and will forgive you this once, love. I wish I could see you, my love, just for a moment. Seems such a long time since I saw you. I have received the chamber service today, love. At least, I suppose it is that. It is something in a hamper. I have not opened it as you suggested. I also received the key you enclosed me, and shall await the portmanteau and the boxes. I think three and six very reasonable, love, for three things, at such a distance. I suppose you would send them by luggage train. I shall be great with a white shirt on. It is some time since I had one on. It will be a treat. I am afraid I shall find you plenty of starching and ironing, love, as I shan't want to wear them as long as I have been doing in lodgings. You will not mind that, will you, my little wife? We must certainly have a turn, you and I, on our wedding day, and then we must settle down into two sober, quiet individuals. At a cliff play Middlesbrough, not Redcar, love, and it is a week next Saturday. Redcar play Lockwood Brothers the same day at Sheffield. Alvy will come over to play, but I shall stay here as I could not very well play, have holiday on the Saturday and then on the Tuesday. I shall, I expect, play with Attercliffe, and if I do, I'll take great care of myself, darling, for your sake. If I go to O'Donnell's, I will certainly go on the Tuesday, but I almost think I shall not go, as I intend at calling on the works on the Wednesday to see them all. I would call on Mrs O'Donnell, love, if you conveniently can, as he has been very good to me, and I know they would be very pleased to see you. Why can you tell me better, love, when I am there, whether we shall be transported or not, on the Wednesday? Do you not know, wifey, or will you be fixed then for the monthly occurrence? I think it would be about then, won't it, but I've lost count of the exact date. I went down to our house yesterday, love, and they had finished the whitewashing and almost finished the painting. I think it will look very nice. 
I have not time for any more, love, except that I love you more than ever, and remain, my darling wife, your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. P.S. The bands were called here on Sunday morning, love. You omitted to tell me whether they were called there. I suppose they would be. Have you been quizzed about it at all, love? Reading through all the details of Janie steadily sending the items for their new home, bit by bit, made me rather nostalgic for a time when such a comprehensive luggage transport service existed on the railway. The transportation of luggage had a rather ad hoc inception in the early days of the railways, where travelling trunks that didn't fit into the undersized goods wagon were lashed to the roof of the rail carriages and secured by tarpaulin and a prayer. The risk of losing your belongings in transit was ever-present. During Fred and Janie's time, this had evolved into a much more organised system of guards vans fit for the purpose. Railway companies developed systems and infrastructure to enable passengers not just to travel with their luggage, but to send their luggage ahead of their journey and have it delivered to their destination. Janie and Fred write about sending things in hampers and boxes. Fred mentions his portmanteau, a forerunner to the suitcase, and Janie seems to be getting creative with sending things in large tins. It must have been an odd mixture of inconvenience and anticipation for Fred, as his room, no doubt, got more and more cluttered with the parcels containing the items that they would need in their new home. As I read these details, the approach of the wedding day and their new life is starting to feel more and more real. As he looked about him at this slow acquisition, did Fred feel the same? However, he does seem rather more concerned with the question of when he and Janie might get to enjoy some intimacy, which Janie tries to clarify in her next letter. Hansworth, September the 28th, 1882. My own darling husband, I received your very welcome letter for which I thank you, love. I think it is a good idea, love, to keep some cake for the anniversaries of our wedding day. I shall arrange that there is some left. Ginny Reckless and Annie Laverack will cut it and send it to all the addresses, and then pack the rest off to me at Middlesbrough. It is rather suggestive, love, Mrs Snaith, finding the cuffs in her room. I should inquire about the collars. It is annoying, love, that you cannot trust those around you. Did your coat hang behind the door that had my letters in? It is vexing to have them read. Never mind, love. You will not have to stop there much longer. Only a fortnight. I know you will be careful that they do not read any more in the fortnight, and those things I packed in your portmanteau I would lock up in your box, love. I am glad you have received the chamber service all right, but you did not say whether you had to pay the carriage. I did send the things by luggage train. I know you will find me plenty of starching and ironing, my darling, but I shall not mind a bit, my husband. I wish I was there and doing it for you now. I have packed up another box today, and I have packed my tea service in the round tin box of mine the other day. I keep doing them as I have time, so that I shall not have to do everything at the last moment. Your mother gave me the kettle. It is a nice one, and her rocking chair upstairs. Your Arthur is going to buy us a roast jack. Little Walter bought you the comb and brush tin that is in the portmanteau. I am afraid I shall not get to see Mrs O'Donnell this week, but will be sure to go next. We have had another hindrance on Monday, the cricketing supper. I think there will be about 30. 
When I said love that I did not know whether we should be transported on the Wednesday or save it until Thursday, I meant that we might not have the opportunity as there will be Ginny and Carrie about and always somebody coming. The usual monthly should come off on the Saturday after we are married, love. It is generally two days behind time, so it will very likely be Monday. I should like to look at our house with you, love, but I shall not have long to wait now. I am sure it will look nice, my darling. The bands were published here last Sunday. I have had very little quizzing so far, love. I have to go down to Mrs Fleer's today to take Sissy, so please excuse more now, love, and I will write again tomorrow. I love you more than ever, and remain my darling husband, your loving true and faithful wife, Janie. We'll leave it there for now, and it will be next time that we hear about the industrial accident at the North Eastern Steelworks, and we'll get to investigate how quickly the telephone was adopted in Britain. Thank you so much for listening to my Love Letter Time Machine. If you'd like to support the cost of producing the podcast, it would be lovely if you'd consider buying me a coffee at ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com forward slash my love letter time machine and if you like you can write to me at my love letter time machine at gmail.com until next time take care